Now, I wonder, what are you afraid of? If you're like me in, in 2020, there has been no shortage, shortages of things to be afraid of. I mean, just about every day, at some point during the day, like I wonder, like, do, do I have COVID? Like, if I, if I sneeze, if I have a, if I have a runny nose, if, uh, if the other day I was, I was eating lunch and I, and I was like, wait, 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 wait a second. I can't taste my food and, and talked with you, Laura. And just to be sure, I went to get a test. I went to the testing facility about an hour before it closed. There was a long line and someone came up to my car and said, we're closed, we're, we're at capacity. So I went home and that night I was, I was able to taste food and I never went and got a, a test. But as far as I know, I have not had COVID, but it's a very real fear. And, and that just, that constant worry, that constant fear, like, do I have the virus? Do I not have the virus? Do my loved ones have the virus? And um, I asked some of you what you've been afraid of in 2020, what you've been afraid of in, in 2020. And of course, catching the virus. Uh, some people fear losing a loved one. Uh, some fear losing another year without seeing loved ones. Uh, the fear of losing a job. The fear of not being able to pay the bills. Uh, the fear of the other guy winning the election. The fear that your family is going to find out that you voted for the other guy. Uh, fear. It's, it's all around us. The fear of, of families breaking apart. The, the fear of the future. The fear of civil war. The fear of adult children losing their jobs. The fear of, of adult children coming to live back at home. And some of you adult children just gave your parents the side eye. It's okay. It's all right. But it's not just adults, kids and teenagers. I asked my, my kids what they're afraid of. My boys both said that they were afraid of, of COVID. And my four-year-old said she's afraid of spiders and darkness. A toddler put a toddler on the lap of Santa and watched them scream. There is no age in which we are not fearful. The Bible app is a, is a way that you can engage the Bible on your, your smartphone. Uh, and they have almost half a billion unique users on the Bible app. And they, re they just put out a report I saw that in 2020, the most read, the most searched, the most highlighted Bible verse for the entire year, you know, you might think it's like John 3:16, some of the old classics, for God so loved the world, but it wasn't. In 2020, the number one searched Bible verse was Isaiah 41:10. You know what Isaiah 41, 10 says? It says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And the thing was, this isn't just the top verse in the United States. This was the top search for verse in India, in South Africa, in the Netherlands, in the Philippines. And then in some other countries, the verse, maybe it wasn't that verse, but some verses that were similar. It's so like in, in Ghana, the top verse was Philippians 4, 8, which says, do not be anxious for anything. In Kenya, it was Romans 8, 28, in all things, God works for the good. In, in other words, fear knows no boundaries. Fear knows no boundaries. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. It doesn't matter what social class you're in. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter if you're Christian, Buddhist, agnostic. Like fear finds its way into our lives. It comes to all of us. And we're celebrating at Christmas the birth 
of our Savior, the birth of Jesus. And the birth narrative in Scripture, uh, every time that an angel shows up to talk to Joseph, Mary, to, to the shepherds, the most famous one, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. But every time the angel shows up, they say, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. The Bible is made up of 66 books. And the last book of the Bible is called Revelation. And Revelation is about this vision of Jesus and, and the end of all things. And John has this vision, and he has this vision, and, and, and this vision is given to him by Jesus. Jesus shows up to him, and, and John describes hearing a voice like a trumpet. And he turns around and he sees Jesus. But it's, it's not baby Jesus he sees. It's not uh, Talladega Nights baby Jesus. It's not uh, crucified Jesus that he sees. It is Jesus the risen one, the king of the universe. And, and John describes him as having white hair and eyes like fire and feet like bronze and, and a voice like rushing waters. And his face shines like the brilliance of the sun. And John says when he, he sees him, he falls on his feet as though he's dead. Like that, that's his only response, this, this, this great Lord. And he falls at his feet as though he were dead. And then he describes, and then he, what Jesus does next. And this is what, what John says. This is Revelation 1, verse 17. It says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And behold, I have the keys of death and Hades. And Jesus places his hand on John's shoulder and says, do not be afraid. Now, reading from Revelation on Christmas Eve uh, might be a little abnormal. Uh, but here's the thing. When someone says, do, don't be afraid, it rings hollow if they can't do something about your situation. It rings, there, there is no, there's no strength to what they say. If do not be afraid is hollow, if there isn't someone who can see us through whatever it is that is causing the fear. And it's like the vaccine. Many of us are waiting for the vaccine now, the, the good news that uh, the vaccines, uh, two vaccines now are, are, are coming and, and people are starting to, to get the vaccine. And if the vaccine was just a placebo, like if it had no efficacy, then, then, what, good, then what good would it, would it be if it had no power? Uh, and, and if the words, do not be afraid, if there's not someone that can do something about the fear, it's just a placebo. About 15, 16 years ago, Elora and I were, were newlyweds, and we came home one summer night, and I opened up the door of the house and walked in, and, and it was abnormally warm in the house. Now, if, if you know me, in, in the summertime, we keep our place warmer than most. In the wintertime, we keep it colder than most because I like to save, I like to save a few dollars. Uh, and so you expect it to be a little warm when you walk in, but, but we lived in Texas. And when you walked in, even at my higher temperature, like it, it would cool you off from the evening air. But we walked in and there was no, there was no cool air. It felt warm in the house. And, I was, and your first thought is, ah, oh, man, AC's out. I live in Texas. This is not good. Not good. Not good. And, and then I, I looked to the back of the house and the back door was open. 
and began to look around and, and things weren't where we had left them. And, and then the proverbial light bulb came on and we realized that our house had been burglarized. But a thief had come in and in and, and that moment, we didn't know, like, it was a thief still in there. And so we backed out quickly. We called 911 and the police showed up promptly an hour later and we waited. But they got there and they went through the house and they dusted and, you know, we looked for things that were, were taken and, and missing. And, um, and when someone breaks in, into your house, like, it, it does something to you psychologically. Um, and, and so it, what we found was that the only thing they took was our, our wedding DVD. Like the video from our DVD was, was what they, they took. And we were like, what is, is going on? And so like after some time went by and we were able to calm down, we were, we were going, you know, getting ready for bed and just trying to figure out like, why, why would someone, was this like a teenager? Was it a dare? Was it someone that was mad that we were recently married? And, they, um, and so we're, we're lying in bed and I had this, this final idea. And my idea was, well, maybe... Maybe they installed some cameras and they're watching us right now. And then I said, uh, don't be afraid. Good night. And try to go to bed. But, but apparently those are not calming words. And that, after I said that, I don't think it would have mattered if I would have said a thousand times to Elora, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't, don't be afraid. And unless I had promised her to stay up all night and to do something about th- this fear. Like my, my words were, were meaningless. My words were meaningless. And, and Jesus' words to John in Revelation and his words to us, do not be afraid. Do not ring hollow. They don't ring hollow because as, as Jesus proclaimed, he is the first and the last. He is the living one. He was dead and he is alive forever and ever. And he holds the keys of death and Hades. And, and Jesus, he's this very human, but he's also divine. And that is the Christmas story that God has come to us in the flesh. As the Nicene Creed says, Jesus is God from God, light from light, true God from true God. And the same Jesus, he's still coming into our lives and saying, do not be afraid. And so if a guy on your screen you're watching tells you, do not be afraid, it, it might help. If a loved one tells you, don't be afraid, it, it might work for a moment. If a friend, a neighbor says, don't be afraid. But, but what if there is someone who says, don't be afraid, and they can do something about it, Jesus the truly human one, the truly divine one. He is the second person of the Godhead. He is the one who lives beyond the power of death. He comes to us and says, do not be afraid, I have conquered. Jesus is more than just an idea. He was crucified, nailed to the cross. His flesh was torn, the blood is flowing out and he died, but he rose to life on the third day with still the, the nail marks in his hands and in his feet. And the first thing he says to John Right, of, of all the things he could have said to John when he showed up, of, he could have talked about like, hey, let's talk about this Roman Empire. Let's talk about the, the elections that just happened. Let's talk about this virus. But of all the things Jesus says when he shows up, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And, and if you're a parent, you've probably experienced in the middle of the night, 
your child crying out and just hysterics. And, and you run in and you scoop them up and you begin to tell them, I'm here, I'm here, I have you. Don't be afraid. And, and, and the child, they can't even, like, they're just, they're hyperventilating. And then they, they've, they've had a nightmare. But you tell them, do not. Do not be afraid. You, you pull them close. You, you hold them close. And, and we're living this nightmare of 2020. And, and some of us are, we're, we're hyperventilating and, and we're, we're fearful. And Jesus comes to us now and he comes and comforts us and says, I've got you. I've got you. I've got this. Do not be afraid. I have conquered death. And because I've overcome the grave, death has no power over you. You belong to me and I'm holding you now. And this Christmas, I invite you to put your faith in Jesus. You, you do not have to be afraid. And fear, fear is wreaking havoc in our lives, in our families, in our communities. Fear, it's pervasive. It causes us to act in all kinds of crazy ways and to do things we wouldn't normally do. And Jesus is coming to you tonight and saying, do not be afraid. Now, hopefully, we have families gathered and kids have gathered around and at Christmas time we, uh, we celebrate the, the birth of Jesus and it's become a tradition at the Hills Church uh, for me to do a bit of an object lesson for the, for the kids and Laura's going to help me. <laughs> That's right. Um, and so for kids and, and for adults, just pay close attention because the, uh, the hand is quicker than the eye. So but it's coming, not, not yet. But in, in the story of Jesus, it goes back before Jesus to creation. When God created us and, and, the, and the world was full of, of good and beauty and there was no fear. And when God made the world, his, his highest creation, the pinnacle of his creation was humanity, was, was you and me. And we're going to let this, this blue... This blue bar represents God, and this yellow bar represents us. And in the beginning, we were together with God. And, and our first parents, they walked with God, and there, there was no fear, there was no sadness, there was no COVID, just, just good things. But then, humanity decided that, that, not decided, but there was fear that God was keeping good things from us. There was, there was fear that, that we were missing out. And so as, as a people, as, as a race, we decided to disobey God out of, out of fear. And that, that fear, well, led to all kinds of brokenness and, and separation. And, and now we're separated from God. And the Bible calls our, our separation sin. And we're going to let this red bar represent sin. And sin, are, sin looks different for different people, but sin looks like, um, well, have you ever disobeyed your parents? Sin. Have, have you ever been proud? Have you ever thought you were better than someone else? Have you ever you know, had the desire? I mean, you know, we love our neighbor, but that, that guy driving in front of us with that elephant bumper sticker or that donkey bumper sticker, like we might have had a desire, like maybe just to bump him off the road, not too far, just on the, or maybe, maybe not that far, but you know, if they maybe got a speeding ticket or a flat tire, we'd feel a little better about ourselves in that moment. Or maybe we don't always tell the truth. Maybe we don't report quite all of our income on our taxes. 
Like there's all kinds of, of things that, that we do. And, um, and the Bible says that anytime we have known to do something good and we don't do it, even that is sin. And so sin, sin entangles our lives. And I have a couple ropes here so you can see. And I'm just going to tie this up. You're doing great, by the way. <laughs> but sin entangles our lives. And, and the worst thing about sin is that it, it separates us from God. all kinds of things to try to get right with God. We can, you know, try to try to be real good and try to obey our parents as, as much as we can. But no matter what, that sin is always, it's always there. It is always present. But God loved us so very much that he sent his son. That's what we celebrate at Christmas time. And Jesus came and he lived a perfect life. He always pleased his father. He always did what was right. Uh, and he lived the life we should have lived. And he died the death that we should have died and so that we could be forgiven. And when we put our trust in Jesus, that sin is removed and we can be with God. Once again, the, the fear can be gone, the fear of tomorrow, the fear of eternity, because we can be friends with God again. So we're going to do this on the count of three. Are you ready? One, two, three. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Now you're saying, Matthew, that must be a trick bar, but I can assure you there was no easy way out. But that is, that is it. And now, and now there is nothing that separates us from God. All right, so kids, you can ask your parents how I did it, and uh, maybe you can figure that out later. Thank you. Thank you. Now, that, that's just a fun way of showing what Jesus has done for us. And this Christmas Eve, I want you to know that God loves you, not because you're perfect, but because he created you and he loves you and he was willing to send his son to die for you. As the angel proclaimed, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And this Christmas Eve could be a turning point for you. This could be the time when you stop putting the trust in yourself and begin trusting Jesus. And we're going to pray together in this prayer. This prayer doesn't make you a Christian, but it just will help you express your trust in Jesus. And so I invite you as I pray in just a moment to make this your own prayer. So let's pray. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, and I believe that you died for me because I have sinned. I've messed up. I haven't always done right. And so Jesus, would you forgive me? I put my trust in you. I'm, I'm not going to trust myself any, anymore, but I put my trust in you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Amen. Amen. If tonight this Christmas Eve, say, Matthew, I want to put my trust in Jesus. We would love to know that. There's a link in the comments where you can um, 
can follow that and let us know. And if, and if you need prayer for anything, we'd love to pray for you. You can follow that, that same link, and we'd, we'd love to pray for you. But we're going to conclude with a time of communion, so go ahead and grab your, your bread, cracker, whatever it might uh, be that you want to participate with us. The week that Jesus, in fact, just the a day before Jesus was crucified, Jesus gathered with his disciples, his 12 disciples, and they were celebrating the Passover. And the Passover was a time to remember God's deliverance, how he delivered uh, the children of Israel out of Egypt. And, and the way that deliverance happened was that there was a, a, a lamb that was killed and the blood was put over the, the doorpost. And as he's having this meal with his disciples, remembering the Passover, Jesus does something and he says something and he, he takes the bread and he breaks it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup in, in the same way and said, this blood is the new covenant. It, and when you, um, as often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. And so when we partake of the bread and the juice, we are recognizing that Jesus is our Passover lamb and that we are looking back to Jesus' death with gratitude, but we're also looking forward to that time when Jesus comes and makes all things new. And we believe that, that some way when we partake of communion, that we are dining with the living God. And so would you declare with me the mystery of our faith? Just repeat after me that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Would you take the bread and the cup together? <laughs>